Thanks for joining us on the Restoration Church podcast for part three of our prayer series. Today's message is entitled Anxiety. There are good reasons to be anxious, but better reasons not to. We hope you enjoy. So welcome to uh, Restoration Church. We're glad you're here. If you're a visitor first time or you, you haven't gotten one yet, we've got visitor bags for you out front. We want to extend our hospitality to you guys. So make sure you get one before you leave. Uh, we are a church dedicated to making disciples that make disciples uh, through intentional relational disciple making. Right? We, we believe that intimacy with God, uh, a close relationship with God, is linked to being closely related to the church. Right, Because we are the body of Christ, so we represent Christ to one another. So intimacy with God through intimacy with others. That's kind of our catchphrase, and we're glad you're here. Uh, today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Um, if you want to find that in your Bibles or open your iPhones and or droids, pull open your Bible app and go to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be starting in verse 11. So head that way. Uh, as a paramedic, I, I get to run a lot of different calls, right? The other day, uh, I worked and I ran, I think, 14 calls in 12 hours or something like that. It was ridiculous. It was a very busy day. And there's always a variety. But there are three particular types of calls I love to go on, right? Whenever they come out, I'm like, yes. Because they're all particular calls that allow me to bring peace to a chaotic situation, right? You know what you're going to do. And literally, you don't even have to take some of these people to the hospital. Right? It's that amazing. And so that's what I love about this cause. But there are three different types. One is diabetics. The second one is drug overdoses. You're like, really? You don't have to take them to the hospital? No kidding, you don't. And then the third one is chest pain. Right? And so we, we're apparently acquainted with that over the last 24 hours. But the reason I love these calls is because we can come to someone's scene and they can be chaotic, there can be anxiety, there can be distress, and with a few simple things... The whole world turns around. It's like a miracle. It's amazing. So like for a diabetic, for example, most of the time you get called and they're unconscious. They're laying on the floor, right? They're drooling on themselves, sweating profusely, and their blood sugar is like five. You know? Yeah, we're talking about you, Jim. All right. <laughs> uh, Jim's experienced this, right? I mean, it's a scary situation. If you're a family member, you're freaking out because your family member's laying there. You can't get them to wake up. Um, they might be breathing funny or snoring, and it's scary. But all we got to do is start an IV, give some sugar. They wake up, eat a sandwich. Good to go. Instead of drooling, I smoke a cigar. Is that what it is? <laughs> All right. Well, for some diabetics, it's different. But um, so it's, it's, it's that simple. Give some sugar, eat a meal, sign a refusal form, have a great day. Right? And they're, and they're back to good. Drug overdoses. Heroin is a big problem in the triangle. Do you know that? It's cheaper than cocaine. It's cheaper than meth. I mean, it's a, it's a big problem. As a matter of fact, it's such a big problem. NC State last year decided to give all, everyone who wanted it two syringes and a vial of, of a drug that reverses heroin overdose, right? No instruction on how to use it, no instruction on how to dispose of the needles. <laughs> it just, here's a vial of medication and two syringes, go forth and don't let your friends die from heroin overdoses. I'm not kidding. It is that serious of a problem. And, uh, but there's a medicine called uh, Narcan or Naloxone, and we give it to somebody, and somebody is literally, it, they look dead. They might be breathing five, six times a minute, on a, on a heroin overdose. They are blue in the lips, family's freaking out. Give them a little Narcan, and all of a sudden, <clears throat> they wake up, and they're back to normal, right? Give them another one in the leg, don't do any heroin, and then you're, you're, you're off. You've saved a life. It's crazy, but it's that simple. Chaos, anxiety, stress, death, fixed. Amazing. Just bringing peace to a situation. And the last one, have you, I'll give you this. Have you guys ever seen the movie uh, Bringing Out the Dead? Have you ever seen that? Nicolas Cage, good movie. There's a whole scene in there where a drug addict is laid out in a nightclub 
and his partner is this like black gospel awesome guy and he gathers all the drug addicts around as they're giving the Narcan he's like Lord Jesus please raise this man from the dead and he sits up <laughs> and he's like he takes the opportunity to share the gospel it's a hilarious scene you should go watch it it's pretty cool um the last one is chest pain. The reason I love chest pains is because they're all over the place. Right? You never know what will cause a chest pain. It can be your heart. You can be having a heart attack straight up and have a cardiac event. You can be having lung problems, right? You can, when anybody ever had like bronchitis really bad and it hurts to breathe and you get chest pain, right? Or, I mean, infections, whatever. But what it ends up being 90% of the time, at least in my experience, and by the way, 90% of statistics are made up on the spot. So 90% of the time, in my experience, um, it's anxiety. Anxiety is what's causing chest pain. Someone is breathing way too fast. Their, their, their gases that regulate their breathing patterns are way off, and they just cannot, they cannot focus in on what is true, that they're not dying. They're just breathing way too fast. And so with a little coaching and an opportunity to bring truth into the situation and tell them you're not dying, we need to slow your breathing down, and walking with them through that period of suffering, peace can come. And anxiety is a big deal, right? I think we all kind of experience anxiety in different levels, right? Anybody? Anybody ever been anxious? No? Okay, just me. All right. Let's, we suffer from anxiety, right? But, but when we see anxiety in our lives, it's an opportunity to bring peace and truth into a situation, right? And that's what we're going to see today. You know, anxiety is not, um, it's not uncommon for us. We get anxious about a bunch of different things. It doesn't always manifest itself with chest pain. Sometimes it manifests itself with withdrawal from relationships or being snappy with your wife or your, or your husband. Um, Jumping your kids, you know, like anxiety manifests itself in different ways, but, and it's not always about feeling like you're dying that you get anxiety, right? I mean, we, we have anxiety about our families, right? I've, a kid, uh, Caleb has fallen off the bed so many times and hit his head on the floor, I wonder if he'll be able to tie his shoes. Like, honestly, sometimes. So, like, anxiety. There's a little anxiety about that. We think about our kids. We think about our marriages. We think about our extended family, people who are sick, injured, um, Maybe you've had anxiety, possibly everyone in here, maybe on your first date. Guys, it'll happen. You know, you're like, you're going to the front door. Yeah, uh, don't worry, it'll happen for you. Uh, you go to the front door, and your palms are sweating, and you're like, there's something in my teeth right now. Sorry, there's something in my teeth. You're freaking out. There's anxiety. You're shaking. You're like, hi, missus. You know, like, and you're freaking out. It happens. We get anxiety about our health, right? We hurt in our health. Oh, my gosh. My mom had cancer. My dad had cancer. Will I get cancer? My dad's got cardiac disease. Will I have a heart attack? It's just a matter of time. You know, like we, we, we have anxiety and fear about our health. Um, maybe about our cash flow and or lack thereof. You know, we get anxious about money. Money is a huge thing we get anxious about. And it's actually what Jesus talks about in this text today is money and how, how, how that makes us anxious. Maybe that re if you get older, that turns into your retirement investments, right? Oh, man, the stock market just crashed. They want my 401K. What am I going to do? Now I'm going to be dependent on my kids who work an hourly wage. And how are they going to be able to take care of me? Oh, no. You know, this anxiety, it builds up. Something else, maybe our reputations. You know, will, will I be respected? Oh, no, I've become that guy. Or I'm that girl now. You know, like our reputations, we get anxiety about that. It's not necessarily a sin. I want you to hear this very clearly. Anxiety is not necessarily a sin. It can be the fruit of a sinful root, but it also can just be a type of suffering. We live in a fallen world, right? People sin against us. Uh, we sin. There's, there's just our bodies don't work right sometimes. Anxiety can be a form of suffering. So if you suffer from anxiety, don't think I'm calling you, oh, you wretched sinner, you need to get right with Jesus. Like, just hear what Jesus has to say about anxiety today and know that it's not always sinful. It can also be a type of suffering.
To be anxious is to be naturally bent away from the peace that God originally designed us to have. Right? We were originally supposed to be in unity with Him in the garden. Everything we needed provided for. But now because of the fall, we're outside of that peace. And so we have this natural bend towards anxiety. It's part of our life. It's not one size fits all. It manifests itself in different ways. We said that. Uh, we can have emotional or relational anxiety. Um, it can, we can have responses emotionally. We can just break down and cry. We're so anxious, we're just crying. Or we're so anxious, we just pass out. We're so anxious, um, we, we don't want to be around anybody. Right? I mean, like that, that's a big one. Anxiety can manifest itself in relational distancing. Separation from others, lack of motivation at work or at home. We've all experienced it on some level. And if you haven't, you probably will. Right? So this message applies to you. What causes it? How, why, how does it manifest itself in us? Is it manageable? Better yet, is it something we can overcome? Right? Is it something you have to live with or is it something you can overcome? Good questions. The good news is that God is fully aware of our sin. He's fully aware of our suffering. He knows what's going on. This is not a new thing. It's not a 21st century problem. It didn't start in the 19th century with the DSM-1. You know, it's like it's a diagnosis of psychological disorder. No, it was happening in biblical times. And we're going to see that today the people Jesus are talking to on the Sermon on the Mount are very familiar with what anxiety is. And so Jesus addresses it. The text today teaches us that uh, the Bible has a lot to say about our anxiety. And... Um, it, it has three things to teach us, right? The first thing I want you to see today is that there are plenty of good reasons to be anxious. We've got plenty of good reasons to be anxious. Second thing is there are better reasons not to be anxious. Better reasons not to be anxious. And third, there's a secret to overcoming your anxiety. It's possible. You don't have to just manage it. You can overcome it. So Matthew 6, verses 19 and we're going to go through 34. So um, if you want to roll with me, we're going to read this text together. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. For the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. And if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then that light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Do not be anxious. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. Do they, they do not sow uh, nor reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the flowers of the fields as they grow and they do not spin or labor. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. <clears throat> If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, how much more will He clothe you, you of little faith? So do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, and what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. 
Each day has enough trouble on its own. There are good reasons to be anxious. We have plenty of them. Right? Jesus is speaking to farmers. Right? He's speaking to merchants. He's speaking to um, nomads. He's speaking to people who manage sheep. And like, they, they, have, they are very familiar with the concept of what if the crop doesn't come in? Right? Now, we, we say if the crop doesn't come in, we just go to Harris Teeter. Right? Or we go to Kroger or Target or Aldi if you have one. Go to Aldi. It's awesome. But um, like, we don't have to worry about the crops coming in right now. Right? We have food storage and we have dehydrated food. And we can, you can, we can even go online and buy enough food to get you through six months of your life and just stuff it in the back room. Right? Food is not a really an anxiety problem for us. Or at least most of us. For some of us it is. Their entire livelihood depended upon uncontrollable and changing events. Will it rain? Will the sun shine? Will the pests come and destroy the crop? Will my, will my herd get a disease and then die? And then I won't be able to sell their, their, the sheep's wool or I won't be able to sell the meat of the cattle. Like, what will happen? Everything is uncontrollable. Everything is shifting. This anxiety was related to their economy, to their money, right? And so Jesus taps into their normal anxiety and he teaches about it. Verse 25, the first commandment that says do not be anxious in this text, it starts off with the word what? Therefore. And whenever the word is therefore is there, you ask, what is it? Therefore. There we go. I had to say it. Every, every preacher has to say it, right? I mean, I, I, in practicing, I was like, okay, I mean, I'm not going to say it, but then you just have to say it. All right, cool. Why is it therefore? All right, so Jesus is talking about storing up treasures in heaven, not on earth where they can be destroyed or stolen. Money is temporal. Money is shifting, right? When we base our lives on money and we try to find our security in something that is temporal, we set ourselves up for anxiety. Right? If we're hoping for something that is uncontrollable to be controlled, we get anxious about it. Does anybody in here have a $10 bill I can borrow for an illustration? Any chance? Or a dollar bill or $2 or whatever. I mean, anybody have any cash money I can borrow for an illustration? I've got lots of $2 bills. They're awesome. All right, anybody? Hey, bring, bring, bring that up here whenever you get one. First one up wins. First one up wins. Come on, okay, come on. What do you got? What are we rocking? A hundred? Anybody got a hundred? What do we got? A five dollar bill. Five dollar bill. That's awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So, um, all right. I was, I want to get lunch. So I appreciate it. All right. Um, money is a common source of anxiety for all of us, right? I bet you had a plan for that five dollars, right? You wanted to go get food or something. I need that five back. But now you don't have it. I'm collecting interest. But now you don't have it. She's giving right? interest. You had it, and then just like that, it's taken away. Just like that, it's gone, right? We can invest ourselves in the stock market. Just like that, tomorrow, it's gone. We can invest ourselves in our job. Tomorrow, it could be gone, right? Money is fleeting. It goes all over the place. And when we have something that we have plans for and it goes away, we get anxious. anxious. We get anxiety. It starts when we're young, right? It starts with our allowance. If I only made a dollar... If I, don't, if I can't save up enough money, I'll never get that basketball hoop, you know? If I don't save up that money, I'll never learn to dunk. It doesn't help that I'm three foot two, you know? Like, I mean, but like, that was my life, my kid, you know? And it goes from there. Then it's like, okay, I'm in high school. Now I need a job. I need a job so I can get a car. Then I can pay my insurance to mom and dad. I'm pay my insurance. I got to get a car. So I'm going to get a car. And when I get a car, my life will be great, right? <laughs> and then you get a car. And then you're like, 
why doesn't it just go down the street? Because you need gas, idiot. You know, it's like, oh, crap, now i got to pick gas, too. Oh, now i get a better job. Or no, now i got to work more hours. But if I work more hours, then my grades will suffer. And my grades suffer, I can't get a, in college. And if I can't get in a good college, then I won't get a good job and to be able to afford gas for my little car that now I pay insurance on and doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> Anxiety, right? When our, when, our, when our life and our security and our hope is based on our economy. Anxiety. It's common to us. And then I've got to go to college and I've got to get the right degree so I can get the right job so then I can get the right money. So then somebody will love me. That was my problem. But, I mean, not your, but then maybe, because I mean, you, you weren't, I wasn't working with a lot of looks. So I was like, i got to have the finances, you know. Anyway, um, so I had to kill her personality, but, you know, there's not a lot of working here. So, so Rebecca can tell you she wasn't going to date me until I shaved my head. It looked bad. All right? It looked really bad. Anyway, so you got to get... You got to get a good degree so you can go get a job, and then you get a job so you can maybe afford a home so that your kids have a place to grow up. And then, but then you got a home. How do you maintain it? Oh no, I don't have enough of that. As you get older, then your health starts to fade, right? Your knees get start to crack, and your back starts to hurt. And then you go to the doctor more, and then they're like, "I'm sorry to tell you, but you have this weird, really weird, random genetic disease that your father and your mother had, and we're going to have to manage that for you." And then you're like, "Oh no." And then you're looking at your future and your kids are growing up and you're like, how do I send them to college? How do I get them a car? How do I give them the life I never had? Right? And you just anxiety and anxiety and the process just keeps going. And we train it into ourselves. We train it into ourselves. But money isn't all that we have to worry about. Right? We've got other things to worry about. Our relationships. Is my marriage falling apart? Am I being a good husband? Am I meeting the needs of my wife? Is, am I meeting the needs of my husband? Am I raising my kids to fear the Lord or am I, am I teaching them in my life to not fear the Lord and to just walk around and, you know, do crazy things? Wow, there was a moment of conviction. All right, so, I mean, in dating, will she, will she dump me? Will he like me enough? Do I need to do this or that in order to keep this relationship? In friendships, you know, man, we had a fight right there. Is it over? I mean, am I ever going to talk to him again? Are they going to forgive me or is it over? Anyone feel anxious about any of these areas of life? People? Yeah? Your job? What if I don't get the quarterly numbers that I was hoping for in the first quarter? What if the sales aren't up enough? Then am I going to get demoted? Am I going to get fired? Am I, am I not, is my partner over here going to stab me in the back to take the promotion away from me that I'm due? I've been working hard to get. You only get one shot of the first impression. Right? I mean, like, what if I, what if I mess that up? What if I'm overcome with overbearing flatulence? You know, it's like, I don't know, for real. Okay. <laughs> All right. Is there something in my teeth? Man, she is gorgeous. She is gorgeous. There's something in my teeth. What if I say, hey, and your friend's like, well, what's the worst that happened? And you're like, I could die. Right? I mean, anxiety. It's all over us. Anxiety is common to our lives. We're not talking about normal concern for things you love or, or, or people that you love. We're talking about when, when Matthew uses this word, he's talking about being torn from within. Overwhelmingly overcome by anxiety. Torn from within. Torn apart. Right? We're not, we're not talking about just being concerned. We're talking about being anxious. Hear this clearly. If you suffer with anxiety... You're not crazy. You're not alone. There are things and people in this life, there are plenty of good reasons to have anxiety. They affect us. 
They affect us because we need them, right? And God knows we need them. He knows we need food. He knows we need finances. He knows we need relationships. Like, and all these things that we need on this world that are affected by the fall of man cause anxiety in our lives. God is fully aware of them. And there are common strings that bind them together. Here are the common strings. They're uncontrollable. They're temporary. And they're mutable or changeable. A change. All these things. If we base ourselves, our, our hope, our peace, our, our status quo on things that are uncontrollable, temporary, and changeable, anxiety mo- most likely will be the result. Central to all of this is the illusion of control. If only I could. If only I could get a better job. If only I could do such and such. If only I could be such and such place. The illusion of control. But you're not in control. You're not in control of the stock market. You're not in control of, of your, uh, your spouse's emotions and your, mouth, your spouse's uh, mental and spiritual health. You're not in control of your kids. You're not, you, you think you are, but you're not, right? And so when we base ourselves, our lives on uncontrollable, temporal, mutable things, anxiety. Jesus is teaching us here that when we try to store up our treasures on earth where we can control them, moth, rust, villains, if we store up our treasures in heaven where He is in control, no moths, no rust, no villains break in and destroy. God cares about you. He knows how you feel. He knows that you need these things and they make you anxious. And there are plenty of good reasons to be anxious. But in this text, Jesus is clearly saying there are better reasons not to be anxious. There are better reasons not to. If uncontrollable changing circumstances and, and temporary issues lead into our anxiety, wouldn't it be nice if there was something that was in control all the time, that was not changeable, that was immutable, right? And that ultimately um, was eternal. Wouldn't it be nice if there was something we could cling to that was eternal, immutable, and, and in control? There is. There is. That's the beautiful part. Jesus tells us, yes, you have plenty of reasons to worry because things are uncertain, but you have better reasons not to be anxious because there are certain things that are certain. There are certain things that are truth. There are certain things you can cling to. One, your life has greater value than is evidenced in this world. Right? Your life is incredibly valuable to Father. Consider the birds. Right? This is how he explains it. Consider the birds. Right? They neither store in barns nor reap nor sow, but God feeds them. Right? You know what he's talking about? He's probably talking about, like, buzzards. They're out in the mountains of Jerusalem on the Sermon on the Mount. Like, he's probably talking about like, buzzards and crows and stuff like that. And what, what do those birds eat? Dead. Dead stuff, right? I mean, they attack crops. They get roadkill. I mean, they, they, they scavenge. They're scavengers. They clean up the mess. They clean up the mess. Yeah, they do. All right. Um, don't store up your security here on earth. Store up your security in heaven where things are unchangeable because you're incredibly valuable. You're more valuable than scavenging birds that God feeds. They don't do anything to get fed, but they get fed because you are more valuable than scavengers. Consider the flowers of the fields, the wildflowers. What else do we call wildflowers? Weeds. <laughs> Consider the weeds. How beautiful they are when they just grow randomly. And they sprout out color. And, they, and you drive by on Interstate 85 and you're like, well, that looks really nice. And you're like, they didn't plan that. Those are natural. That's just beautiful. They're weeds. But yet God clothes them with beauty. The truth is, when we put our, cell, our, our treasures in heaven, what does God promise to clothe us with there? Righteousness. 
glory, peace, love. You know, like that's the clothing we have in, king, in the kingdom of God versus the clothing we have here that moths destroy, right? I don't know about rust tears up, but thieves can definitely break in and steal, you know? But like if, if you're more valuable than the birds and you're more valuable than the flowers and God is promising to adorn you with so much more than just cloth, why is our treasure on earth? We have so much better reason to put our treasures in heaven. Second thing is you can't add to your life with anxiety. That's a better reason not to be anxious. You can't add to your life with anxiety. Uh, in Luke it says you can't add another cubit to your life. Right? This is what a cubit is. From your finger to your elbow. Right? Now, to the Jewish listener in this story, or in, the, in this text, they're sitting on the side of this mountain, when they don't think of your life as in a time span. They don't think of like, okay, you have 90 years to live, right? They think of your life as in a journey. You have this far to go. So what Jesus is literally saying, by your anxiety, you can't even add 18 inches to the journey of your life. One more second. One more step. It does you no good. As a matter of fact, you do the studies, you look at health. What does anxiety do? It shortens your lifespan by several cubits. Right? I mean, like, it shortens your lifespan. It doesn't help you. It shortens it. You can't add to your life. You can't worry yourself into a solution is what Jesus is saying. Third, a better reason not to be anxious is you are called not to be self-consumed, but to be generous. You're probably like, where in the world is that? Anybody know where that's at in this text? I found it during a study. It's crazy. It's pretty cool. Go, go back to the text that says... Uh, if your eyes are full of light, right? Can anybody read that section for me? Talking about your eyes are healthy and they're full of light. Can somebody read that for me? The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Awesome. So if your light, if your eye is good, or some in translation might say healthy, but the word literally means if your eye is generous. If you are looking for ways to give yourself, your life will be full of light. If you're looking for ways to consume for yourself, your life will be full of anxiety and darkness. You were designed to give yourself freely because God has freely given Himself to you. Right? He has freely given His Son to you. He loves you and values you so much. He wants you to be in heaven with Him. He wants you to be in relationship with Him that He gave His only Son for you to redeem you, to restore you, to give you a peace so that you cannot just consume Jesus, but that you can give yourself. If your eye is generous, if your life is generous, your whole life will be full of light. And if your eye is unhealthy, if it is greedy, self-centered, your life will be full of darkness. And how, how deep is, dark, is that darkness. Another reason is that God knows you need all this stuff. Why be anxious about it? He knows you need it. And Lance hit this last week. He said, to, for the first century listener, for the audience in this text, to hear your heavenly Father was a, just like, blow their mind. Right? Because Yahweh God, He's over here. We don't talk about your heavenly Father. But Jesus is saying, your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. That's a good reason not to be anxious. One, if you are your heavenly father, it means you're his child. So if you're the child of the king, you're pretty much set. Why are you living in anxiety? 
He knows what we need. He will provide. In this life or the next, we will not be wanting. He cares for you. He gives freely. And most importantly, this is the last reason not to be anxious. He promises you Himself. He promises you Himself. Seek first the kingdom. And what do you get? Everything. Right? You seek Him first, He gives you Himself, which is everything. Right? If we ask... Will He give us Himself? If we seek, we find. If we knock, the door is open. Jesus is the evidence of God's care and concern for us. Care and concern for those who are suffering. He didn't go... This, remember, this is on the hillside with a bunch of, of, of poor people that He's talking to. He's saying, I'm, I'm aware of the fact that you are anxious. I've come to show you. I'm coming to give you Myself. Follow Me. You have little faith. Put your faith here. Follow Me. I'm here to redeem you. I'm here to restore you. I am the sign of your inheritance. Right? What, what do we inherit in Christ? Everything, right? The earth. We're, we are co-heirs with Christ. We follow and put ourselves, our, our life and our faith in Him. He gives us Himself. He takes away our anxiety. Those five truths um, are what we should be focused on. Right? In, in the midst of anxiety and turmoil, we focus on truth. Those five truths. And there are better reasons not to be anxious. Yet we're, little, we're people of little faith. And there's a secret to overcoming our anxiety with these truths. Would you like to know it? Are you interested? Have we built enough tension? We've, we've said there's a problem. We showed you a solution. We built the tension. Are you ready? Okay. Pay attention. Here it goes. Ready? Here's the secret. There is no secret. There is no secret. Peace is not a mystical thing that comes in the midst of anxiety. Peace is a discipline. Peace is a discipline. It can be learned. The opposite of anxiety is peace. Peace is not happenstance. It's the fruit of the Spirit of God in you. It's a discipline. It's something that's learned. Consider Paul. In Philippians 4, 12-13, he says, I have learned to be content. I have learned to be at peace in all circumstances. With much, with little. In turmoil, and in, in, in suffering, and in peace. I have learned to be at peace. I have learned. And then he says, what you have seen in me, put into action in your life. So he's saying it's not something that only super spiritual Paul could learn. We can learn to be at peace. We can learn the discipline. Philippians 4, 12-13. I know how to be brought low. I know how to, be, how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We like to take that Philippians 4.13 thing and just totally disconnect it from that, right? But he's saying, like, if you want to know peace, you've got to be strengthened in Christ. You can do all things in Christ. It's a discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. So what do we need to develop it? Verse 33 and 34 tell us, right? They tell us how to overcome our anxiety. Seek first the kingdom and stop obsessing about the future, right? You can't control the future. Seek first, seek first the kingdom and stop obsessing about the future. So what does it mean to seek first the kingdom? That's, that's the question of the day, right? What does that mean? Here's what it is. It means have a disciplined heart, have a supreme focus, and have a supreme love. A disciplined heart, a supreme focus, and a supreme love. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Rejoice always. Again, I will say it. Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
which it just doesn't make any sense, will come and guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. We developed a disciplined life, right? If you want to know the secret to overcoming anxiety, have a disciplined life. And that discipline is in your prayer and your thanksgiving, right? Be disciplined in your communication with the Father and your thanksgiving to the Father. God is truth. In order to be focused on what is true in the midst of what is not true, anxiety that, that or what is not, uh, to be focused on the immutable when you want to be focused on the mutable. To be focused on the, the, the sovereign when you want to be focused on the uncontrollable. To be focused on the eternal when you want to be focused on the temporal, right? Prayer is the means of intimacy with God. It is how we communicate His, He communicates His love in us and through us through the Spirit as we communicate our need and our love for Him. We've got to develop the discipline of prayer. Regular, intentional, real gut love prayer. We've got to tell Him how we're feeling, what we're struggling with. But we can't just come to God with this list of stuff we want Him to do. We've got to come balanced. Balanced with thanksgiving. Right? In every situation, we have something to be thankful for. Matter of fact, we probably have 50 things to be thankful for. But you've got, you got to discipline yourself to think about them, to move through them, to find out what they are. So to help me develop this discipline, this is what I do. When I'm like struggling, I'm anxious about something, I'll make a list. I'll make my list. My list is, this is what I'm really worried about. And then my list is, this is what I'm thankful for. Right? And then when I start talking to God, this is what I say. God, I'm thankful for this, and I'm concerned about this. I'm thankful for this, and I'm really anxious about this. And I balance it, right? And most of the time, I run out of my Thanksgiving column, and I've got more anxiety column, and I just stop praying my anxiety column, right? I can't do anything. I can't add another cubit to my life by being worried. So I, I, I balance it Thanksgiving and anxiety, Thanksgiving, anxiety, Thanksgiving, anxiety. And you know what happens? Peace. It's crazy because I, I, you start to get a bigger picture. Wow. I'm real, this is a real legitimate need that I'm anxious about. But man, God has so blessed me. And I'm thankful. And you get a balanced picture. So we develop that discipline of balanced prayer. Thanksgiving and communication. The result is that it says that the peace of God will come and guard your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. Right? Literally, like the, the word picture there is God will set up angels around your heart and your mind, your will. And he will like, be like, come on, let's go. I mean, like, He comes and guards you. And then when you're in the presence of that, like, there's peace that surpasses all understanding. You're like, how in the world did I come with peace? Because He set up His guards around your thought life, around your emotions, around your will. And He said, follow me. I got your back. Right? So now you want to go on your journey? I got your back. We're going to move with you. Right? As um, strategically moving through the battlefield. Always covered. Guarded. Ready to move. Second, we've got to have a supreme focus. Supreme focus. Right? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, think about these things. Supreme focus. What is the culture? If you're really anxious for something, and you go to Barnes & Noble, and you go to the anxiety section, you pull off a book, what are they always going to tell you to do? Empty yourself. Empty yourself. Go sit in a quiet room. Cross your legs. I'm just kidding. I don't know what to do. But empty yourself, right? Breathe deeply. Stop thinking about it. Turn on the, the, the wave sound machine and pretend you're at the ocean. <laughs> empty yourself. You know what the scripture says? Fill your mind with what is true. Not empty yourself. Fill your mind with the truth. Ask big picture questions. You don't read this in the self-help section, right? It's like, God, what am I here for? 
what's the purpose of life? You know, like when you're usually anxious, you're not asking big questions. But what you do is you take yourself out of the scenario and you get the 10,000 foot view. You ask the big questions. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is honorable, whatever is just and pure. Paul is talking about doctrine. Say the gospel to yourself. Say that God is God and He is in control. Remind yourself of His sovereignty. Remind yourself that He works all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. Rem- talk about doctrine. Study the truth. Fill your mind with what is true. Have a supreme focus. His focus. Big picture. Ask big questions. And then anxiety just, you look at it and you're like, that's not going to do anything for me. My, my purpose in this life is so much bigger than this moment. All right, let's get my guard. Let's go to battle. Right? Peace of God. It transcends all understanding. Guard your heart and mind. And lastly, you've got to have a supreme love. Supreme love. Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is worthy of praise, right? Whatever is attractive, think about these things. What is the most attractive thing you can think of? For me, it's God's love for me, right? It's God's love for me and how He's redeemed me and called me through the cross to know Him and to walk with Him and live with Him. Sometimes what anxiety is, it is sinful. Sometimes it is. And what it is, is it's the evidence that we love something more than we love Jesus. We love our money. We love our security. We love our relationship. We love our job. We love something more than we love Jesus. So we have to have that supreme love, that love that overcomes everything else. We've got to love Jesus more supremely in our hearts than anything else in our world. We discipline our mind with thanksgiving and prayer. We have a supreme focus on what is true in the midst of our anxiety. And we love God more than anything. That's the secret to peace in all circumstances. It doesn't matter. Need, many, trial, torment, pain, suffering, peace, joy, happiness... You want to be at peace with the Father. Discipline your mind in your prayer, with thanksgiving and prayer. Communicate with God. Supremely love Him. And supremely focus on the truth. Focus there. And that is seeking first the kingdom of God. And the promise in this text in Matthew is, He will give you all these things that you're struggling with. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Restoration Church Podcast. To hear more in this series or to learn more about our church, please visit us at www.restorationchurch.us or check us out on Facebook at RestorationDCH.